Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. There's a scripture that I've been reading over the last couple of days. Uh, it's kind of wrecked me. <laughs> and when I say wrecked me, wrecked me in a, in a good way. Um, And um, there's two things God's called us to as a church and as a church family. And it's revival and it's reformation. If you're to study the history of revival in Christendom, it'd be easy to walk away thinking revivals start and they end. There they have waves of them. And while that may be true, Revival is not something that the enemy, sorry, revival is not something God ever intended us to stop or fade away from. And often revival doesn't get sustained because the revival never led to a reformation. The revival led to a formula. This is what we did to get God to move. And if we keep doing that, God will keep moving. Instead of revival leading to, a re- leading to a reformation, it led to a formula. And formulas is not what God wants to do. God wants our heart, not our methods. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so when there's reform, then revival is sustained. If a move of God happens, and I believe it will, then what began it will also sustain it. So if the move of God began with the way we did things, then we have to keep doing those things to get to be sustained and people get tired, they wear out. But if the move of God begins by God, then God will sustain that thing. And now we're responding to what God is doing. And so I, it gets hard to kind of interpret these times, right? What is our role in this? And you and I have both seen uh, churches respond and Christians respond. That it makes you wonder, what is our role in this? If I watch Jesus lay hands on lepers, and Jesus did not get leprosy, but the lepers were made whole, why am I not laying hands on COVID patients right now? Why are we not seeing healing evangelists rising up in our nation that are unafraid of the infection they get because the power that is at work within them is greater than the power that's at work within COVID? I was faced with this because Mike came down with symptoms. And I'm like, well, can't come over mom and dad's house now. And then we're sitting there and Romy and I are going back and forth going. And she actually told me when I say back and forth, it means she came to me. And she goes, I think we got to go lay hands on Mike. And I'm right. like, oh. And I just was like, yes. Yep. Yes, let's go do that. And then Carolyn texts me right away and goes, oh, his test came back negative. I'm like, praise God. <laughs> God, God honored our intention. <clears throat> so I think the way that we need to interpret these times is that God is calling us to a deep repentance deep that's the word i keep getting a deep a deep a deep repentance it means that what he is wanting to do in us 
is not on the surface level, but it's very, very deep. Um, that's not the subject that I'm going to talk about tonight, but I do feel like that is the thing that we are being called to do. Because the deeper the repentance goes, the more the stream flows. Did that rhyme? The deeper the repentance goes, the more the stream flows. There you go. But that's the streams of living water. But what's wrecked me is John chapter 9, and I'm not going to take a long time with this, but um, what does this mean? What's going to happen as a result of this? What's going to happen when there is a deep repentance? What's going to happen when people start being revived because of that deep repentance? What's going to happen when people don't respond to the threat of the times, but they respond to the call of the Father, who deep calls to deep, who's calling his sons and daughters to a deeper repentance. And that means you've allowed his spirit to go deeper into the areas of your heart that you've left closed off to him so that he can get out what doesn't belong and put in what he created you to carry. And that's his spirit. That is his will. That is his kingdom. So that we no longer avoid dry places we no longer avoid covid hospitals but we take the living water that we have and we find the driest places we can because our source never runs dry we are bringing water to dry places we are bringing wholeness to sick people we are bringing answers to people that are left fear and quaking and shivering and having no idea what to do and i'm talking about christians who have been in church all their life and yet, here they are. They're faced with something they don't have answers to. They're faced with, I can't, everything that had sustained me in the kingdom of a God that I thought, my building, my friends, my pastors, my parking spot, my, my place where I sit, my events, all of them are gone. None of them. In one day, they all left. They burned away. And now what's going to sustain me in this? And people are freaking out. And they go, I just can't wait to, to go back to the way things are. Can I tell you, they will never go back to the way things were. And I'm thankful. Because if we hear the call of the Father to this deep repentance that He's called us to, we will be the ones who proclaim freedom for prisoners and release for the captives who are anointed to open blind eyes. And so it's led me to this verse. And what's going to happen when those days come? What's going to happen when God starts to open up blind eyes? What's going to happen when people wake up to where they are and they realize the things I thought were kingdom were not kingdom? The things that I thought were Jesus were actually the kingdom of me or the kingdom of someone else. And I think we see it in John chapter 9. It says in the, in, in the first chapter, or in the first verse, as he went along, he saw a man, speaking of Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? You see, there was a common thought amongst the church and the religious teaching of the day, and that is that if you're blind, it's because of your sin or it's because the sin of your parents. It's one of those two things. And here you have a man born blind. Now, can a baby commit a sin? 
It's not a trick question. We know that babies are born sinful. We're all born fallen. But do babies really commit sin? I know you think they do, and they don't sleep through the night. Some of y'all parents, you guys aren't parents yet. You're like, no. And your parents are like, eh. Jury's still out on that one. But a baby can't sin. So what's being inferred in this? If this man was born blind, and a baby can't sin, he was blind before he had the ability to sin, so who caused this baby's blindness? It's the parents. And here they are, the Pharisees, with their pet question. You ever met people with pet questions? Look, I might come to your church, but do you all speak in tongues? Are you amillennial, premillennial, postmillennial? What millennial are you? And they've got their pet question. They're waiting to just ask that pet question. I've got family members, not who are here, but I've got family members and they've got their pet questions. And when the conviction of the Holy Spirit hits them, they retreat to their pet question. I don't answer the pet questions anymore. The conversation ends and I just say, hey, God loves you, right? This is the Pharisees' pet questions. Now this blind man is an adult. He's no longer a baby. He's an adult. He has grown up in the church all of his life. He has grown up blind. Nobody in that church had an answer for his blindness. No one. You know why? Because he's still blind. And he's walking around. And when Jesus, the Son of God, shows up, the one who spoke worlds into being, God himself made human flesh, wrapped human flesh around him, emptied himself of his divinity just so he could take on the sin of everyone past present and future and is now walking into your church and they throw at him their pet question hey jesus why is this man blind because if you can't answer my pet question i'm not going to believe in you and so Jesus answers, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. The story goes on how Jesus heals this man of his blindness in an instant, something the Pharisees could never do. The Pharisees are confused because, number one, he didn't really answer the question. But then instead of answering their pet question, he just healed the man. Just healed him. Simple. <gasps> but it's on the Sabbath. Jesus, we didn't ever got to question number two, but that was our second pet question. Can you really heal people on the Sabbath? Because I know you're God and it's good. We love people, but we've got rules around here. They never even got to it. Jesus just, <clears throat> you're healed. So then they bring to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now, the day in which Jesus said it was on the, is on the Sabbath. And they start questioning this man. Who is this man that healed you and how did he heal you? Like, they're asking him medical questions. It's like everyone's a medical expert on Facebook right now, right? Well, I've heard that COVID can't live over 80 degrees, so I'm heading to Florida. As much as I'm all about Florida, everyone's an expert. Well, they're like quizzing this man. He's like, look... <laughs> I'm not a medical expert. All I know is I was blind, but now I see. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. 
But here's the part that's actually wrecked me on this. This has wrecked me. They couldn't get a straight answer out of the man. So they go to his parents. Because they don't even believe that he'd be blind from birth. So they bring in this man's parents. And it says, Is this your son? They asked. Now it's not. Is this your son? The one that can see? It's, Is this your son? How dare he get healed? And the parents say, We know that he's our son. And we know he was born blind, but how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He'll speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. And that's why his parents said, he's of age, asked him. I laid, not in bed, I was actually in the den. Rummy was working on her paper. It was probably 12.30 at night. She was surprised I was up because I just kept reading this and it's wrecking me because I'm feeling what these parents are feeling. They've been raised for the entire life of this adult son being taught that he's blind because of your sin. Being taught that this is your fault. And they can't do anything about it. Not only can we not see your son healed, but we are going to put the blame for his blindness on you. And they've lived with this for so long. And it's created so much fear inside of them. It's left them in such bondage, in such legalistic, unnatural submission to authority, to these Pharisees. That they let the fear of man drive out the love for their son. And in that moment, they disown their son. But their son could see. He was healed. What kind of a place does that to a parent? What kind of a place makes a parent believe that they're the reason that their son is born blind? They knew that their son was getting kicked out of the synagogue and they wouldn't pay the same price. Now I know you're sitting there and go, if that was my son, I'd tell those Pharisees what's up. But you didn't grow up like they did. You didn't grow up with everybody who you knew and trusted and respected and who was an authority figure in your life kept telling you and reinforcing to you that your son is blind because you said it. And when they're faced with Jesus himself, who brought to them probably the greatest thing that they were ever believing for, they couldn't even receive it. And rather than gaining a son with sight, they lost their son as a result. What's going to happen? When there's a deep repentance... People are going to get kicked out of synagogues. Whether it's intentional 
or whether it's the culture or religious systems that drives people out. This is the part that I'm having a hard time with. It means that people are going to find us, and I don't mean Seashore Church. I mean they're going to find those who have been revived. They're going to realize how thirsty they are, and they're going to look for the living water that flows in you. This season for us of deep repentance, of uncorking the stream, of allowing the stream of living waters to flow from us, it's going to be found. (laughs) And the desert will bloom. But it's going to come at a cost. Many of you have probably been kicked out of some of those systems in one way or another, whether you chose to leave or whether you got the boot. I want to tell you that this is a season of refreshment and provision and family and renewal and revival. And you've got a choice whether to be the parent or to be the man who was healed. The parents stayed. I would say the parents were more blind than their son ever was. But listen to what happens when this man gets kicked out. In verse 35, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, did you hear that? When Jesus found him, he didn't bump into him at Costco. He found him. Jesus was looking for this man that had been ejected by the very system that should have been leading this man to Jesus, kicked him out because he got healed by Jesus. So Jesus found him. He didn't find him through a podcast. He didn't find him through a church service. He didn't find him through a conference. He just found him. Can you imagine what it was like for that blind man between the moment of his parents' interaction and between when Jesus found him? Have you ever been in a place where you felt so wandering and so lost when everything you used to have is no longer there, but you haven't found your place yet. You haven't found your connection yet. You've left Egypt, but you're not in the promised land yet. And I think there's like a cloud or a pillar or something, and there's this guy with a staff that does pretty cool tricks, but I still have not figured out what this is all supposed to look like right now. And Jesus finds him. And he asks him, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he goes, who is he, sir? He doesn't even realize it's the Messiah yet. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. There's only two people Jesus ever revealed himself to as the Messiah like this. One was the woman at the well, and one was this man who was born blind but was healed. Jesus found him and spoke plainly to him. He did not speak to him in riddles. He did not speak to him in parables. He says, I am the Messiah. There's no need to tell a parable. There's no need to have an illustration. There's no need to entertain this man. He just says, I am the one that you're looking for. And the man said, Lord, I believed. And he worshiped him. And Jesus said, for judgment, I've come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. 
I'm working on a message about this and another guy who was made blind. But I'm not ready for that one yet because I think God's still wrecking me over this. And I was actually on the phone with another friend of mine a couple days ago. And he's going through some hard times. And I think he's been a bit like this blind man. He's finding himself in a system that wants to keep people blind, but following rules. And they're incapable of healing blind people. And I've got this verse flowing through my head. And this person has got so many lies that they've unknowingly believed. And their, their whole life is, is, is in, in bondage. And they become a victim of some other attacks of the enemy. And this guy's got a huge coal on his life. But he's been so hamstrung by the enemy because of these lies. And so we went through this process of just unpacking some of those and letting Jesus reveal some of these believe lies and then renouncing them and repenting of them and then allowing Jesus' truth to speak to him. It was beautiful. But I'm getting wrecked by this. And so I'm asking Jesus, as I'm talking to this person on the phone, I'm going, God, why am I so wrecked by this? I felt, have you ever done this? Have you ever read something in the Bible and you felt it? You felt what they felt. I, I wasn't in this blind man's shoes. I felt what the parents felt. And this deep sense of pain and anguish that now I'm faced with choosing all I've ever known and that it could have been a lie and being rejected by those who have perpetuated the lie in my life. But it means stepping out into the unknown. And I felt it. And I said, God, what is it? He goes, because you believe the same lie. I was like, oh, what is that? And he said, you believe your daughter's got diabetes because of something you've done. Do you know what my response was? No, I don't. But it wasn't me telling me that. It wasn't the enemy telling me that. It was the Holy Spirit going, yes, yeah, somewhere in you, you believe that lie. And it's a lie, isn't it? Right? And so I said, oh, you know, in the past, if I heard that, I'd either go, no, I'm fine. I'm good. Or I'd be like, I'm the worst person ever. How could I overcome this? I've learned that when the Holy Spirit reveals lies that I've believed, it's very easy. Well, good. I renounce that lie. Thank you for revealing that to me. I renounce it. I sever any ties with that lie. I repent of any agreement I've had with that lie. And Jesus, would you speak your truth to me? And as I sat in my van, my murdered out minivan, sitting in a parking lot, <laughs> Jesus whispers to me, I've got her. And there's some other stuff with our kids. And I'm like, what about this one, God? Because, yeah, that's a lie you believe too. That you haven't done enough. And because of that, you're experiencing this. I said, I renounce the lie. I reject it. I sever any ties with it. I repent of any agreement I've had with that lie. Would you speak your truth to me? He goes, I got him. Romy's been telling me for a year that God's been telling her that. 
but I hadn't heard it. I heard it from her, but I hadn't heard it from him. And in that moment, I didn't walk away condemned. I walked away free. I walked away free. This blind man isn't called the blind man anymore. And he's free. But your freedom will come at a cost. Your freedom means you're going to have to leave some things. I don't know specifically what that is. But I tell you what I felt, and I've been bouncing this in my own head as we've been sitting here tonight. There are some lies that you guys have believed. I'm saying that because it happens to every Christian. And you believing a lie isn't always your fault. Sometimes you don't understand and you don't realize that something has creeped in. And there's a couple ways lies kind of get into us. Sometimes lies appear very spiritual. They appear as truth. They sound very authoritative. But they're ungodly. And it creeps in. Sometimes it is the... I should probably look at my notes. I don't have notes. False truths. That's what I was saying. It's a false truth. It's an ungodly reasoning posing as righteous beliefs. It poses as holiness. It even poses as faith. But it's not. Sometimes the lies come through colored lenses. It's just it's the way you see the world. I've always done it that way. My family always did it that way. That's how things are done. That's the way things are. And you don't realize that it's actually a lie. Or it's crafty suggestions. A little porn will never hurt you. Hey, you've worked hard. You deserve that beer. It's, a, it's your reward for a day's work. In fact, you deserve 12 of them. And then 12 leads to that. And a fifth of vodka. And before you know it, you're trapped. It's the crafty suggestions. It's the way the enemy lies to us. And we can unknowingly believe them. I do, I do believe that somebody here, uh, because of an issue in your marriage, that you have unknowingly believed that something bad has happened to you because of something you've done in your marriage. And I'm not calling people out. You know I don't do that. But I just know that's something the Holy Spirit keeps reverberating in me to say this. Um, something in the past and you've unknowingly believed that this thing has come on you because of something you did in your marriage in the past. And God wants to tell you it's a lie and he wants to speak his truth to you. I can't speak his truth to you. Only he can speak his truth to you. But if you'll ask him, he'll show you. But I can tell you it's a lie. It's a lie of the enemy. How do you know it's a lie from the enemy? Well, when you entertain that thought, how does it make you feel? What's the fruit that comes out of your life? If it's shame, if it's fear, if it's guilt, those are not fruit of the Spirit. Those aren't even fruits of the flesh. Those are fruits of the fingerprints of the enemy that's on your life. And I just want to encourage you, if you've been forgiven of whatever that thing is by God, if you've confessed it and if you've repented, don't let the enemy remind you of it. Renounce that lie. God does not hold you to your past. When you are forgiven and you repent of sin, the consequence is not the same. That God wants to redeem what the enemy has stolen. What happened to you was a, an enemy that lied, killed, and tried to destroy you. 
He lied to you, but he didn't kill you, and he didn't destroy you, and he didn't destroy your marriage, but yet you've carried something on that's caused you to believe that something you're dealing with is because of that thing, and God's saying, that is a lie. I love you. I'm your healer. I am your provider. Your marriage will be stronger than it ever has been, and this is not a result of that. The only reason the thing that you have encountered is because of an attack that's on of the enemy that's on your life, and if you stand against it, you're going to continue to see healing and wholeness, not just physically, but financially and in your marriage as well. So I'm not saying who that's for. And that's not what I'm about. But I did feel strongly that was a word um, for somebody here tonight. So it's a different message. Sorry, I hadn't prepared this. This wasn't what I was thinking about. But I believe this is a season for us of God calling us to a deep repentance that leads to widespread revival. It leads to streams of living water flowing from us. And don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Spirit, lead me where your trust is without borders. Where I walk upon the waters wherever you may lead. There's never been more of a time for us than that right now. Walking on water, in over your head, however you want to describe it. But however deep you go will determine... How much the river flows. What did I say? I should have remembered that. That was a good one. Can I pray for you tonight? I'm not making eye contact because I'm just, I don't know. No, I, I, uh, I really feel God here in his presence. And I don't say that hoping that you'll feel that. I, I say that because he's, he's good. He's, he's, uh, can you just close your eyes with me? I really just want to hear him. Lord, I don't, I don't want to run ahead. And I want you to ask him, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, whatever field that you feel like you're most connected to in this moment, I don't want you to ask him, are there any lies that I have believed? Just ask him right where you're sitting. Now, whatever that thing is, you don't have to tell a person here. I'm not, this is not confess to one another time. Though there is a place for that as well. Don't have a discussion with God about this. He's not looking for a discussion. He's just revealing something. Say, God, I renounce the lie that whatever it is that he just revealed to you. I sever any agreement that I've made with that lie and I repent in Jesus' name. And ask him, say, Lord, would you speak your truth to me?
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Did anybody hear anything? Did I just jump in too fast? You don't, I'm not asking you to share it. You don't have to share it. You can if you want, but if somebody felt like the Lord showed them something and wanted to share it, by all means. Did you get something, Mosey? It's an alien tarantula. Anybody? No? Cool. Well, Father, we pray that you would continue to speak your truth to us, that as we open up our hearts to you, that streams of living water would flow from us. I thank you, Lord. That's a promise that we have from you. We don't have to go find water. We just uncork the stream so that you can flow through us. I pray for revival for this nation, for this city. I pray for those bookend moments, Lord. I pray that on this Pentecost Sunday coming up on the 31st of May, Lord, we pray for an outpouring of your spirit like our world has never seen, that you would shake the earth and everything that's not rooted and grounded in you would be shaken tree like a leaf whose leaves are like dying off, that when you shake that tree, the only thing that comes off are things that try to attach themselves to that tree that don't belong. That doesn't make sense. That's all mixed metaphors, but it makes sense in my head. But I pray that you would shake this nation. Shake it. God, there are lies that are being exposed right now in government, in politics, in media, in entertainment. But it's not the lie there that you just want to expose. It's the lie in us that you want to expose so that we can flow in truth. God, the only way we can worship you in spirit and in truth is if we've dealt with the lies in our own heart and allowed your truth to invade us so much that when we worship, it's truth that comes out. We worship you in truth because we are full of truth. We walk in the light. We don't walk in shadows. We don't walk in darkness. We walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but we fear no evil for you are with us. It is your presence with us, sustaining us, God. Thank you for being a light to our path and a lamp unto our feet. You have given us your word. You have given us your spirit. You have called us to a life of truth. You've called us to a life of light. I pray for the courage to flow through your people here tonight, that we would go to a deep repentance, a deep repentance. Change the way we think. Give us the mind of Christ that when we approach our world, we don't look at it condemningly, but we see it through the eyes of love that you have for us, that we want the world to know your truth. It's not just about exposing lies. It's about bringing truth. It's bringing your kingdom. Your kingdom suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. We aggressively move forward in this in our own hearts, Lord God. You have access to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, God. We pray healing. All those dealing with COVID right now, heal them in Jesus. We rebuke COVID. We curse COVID. We tell you to die, not just 
in people, but on surfaces that people touch God, we rebuke you. You are from hell. You are not from heaven. And we want more of heaven in our world. We proclaim healing. God, raise up the healing evangelists in this nation that will stand up and not fear that the love of Christ would compel them. They're so filled with love for their neighbor that they're not afraid they're going to catch COVID, God. They're afraid they won't get to people and lay hands on them soon enough. And they're seeking out and they are proclaiming your gospel in the hospitals, in the health insurance places, in the government halls, Lord. When we're trying to figure out how much money we're supposed to print and give away, they're saying we need Jesus. We need deep repentance. We need salvation in our land. We need to see revival happen in our time. Let it happen through us, God. We are willing vessels, willing servants. You've got all of me, not part, not some. You've got all. Not my will, but yours be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com.